Uh, with that said, my name is Prentice. I get the privilege to be lead pastor here at Bethany West Seattle. Uh, I just want to welcome you, whether you're here sitting in the pews uh, or watching online. And again, today uh, we will be taking communion at the end of service. So if you didn't grab one, uh, no worries. We'll have a chance to, to get you one when we do it. Uh, if you are watching online, this is a good time to grab, well, really anything, a, a piece of bread or cracker and some juice. Uh, all that works when we enter into the presence of God uh, and break bread with one another, whether it's in person or uh, virtually. So we are in the last week of Advent before Christmas. Uh, and, and I love this series where we've titled it Becoming Human. Uh, and not only are we looking at the story of Jesus, uh, of God becoming human, uh, but what that means for us today. Uh, and until we understand the gravity of what God has done through the person of Jesus, it will be impossible to fully live out our humanity. And so this morning we continue uh, in our series, Becoming Human, and, and we want to address and talk about this idea of fear, which is all a part of humanity. If you are sitting in this pews, we all have differences. And whether you know that, whether you go on your social media, whether you uh, read the articles in the newspaper, you know that our world, our society is divided. And we have different opinions and different facts and different uh, idea, ideologies and worldviews. But what we all have in common as human beings is that we all have to wrestle with, at some point in our life, fear, anxiety, the unknown and uncertainties. And right now, more than ever, just even driving in here, I'm listening to the radio and they're talking about, you know, the pandemic, of course, rightly so. It's a big thing in our world. And, and what's happening now with Omicron and, and all these things, whether it's blown up out of proportion, says one group, it's going to be the deadliest thing ever in the other group and in places in between. All that to say is that there's a lot of fear in our world, and maybe fears that happened before the pandemic ever occurred. And so the chances are, as you walk into these doors, you are walking in with some certain fears, whatever that might be, pandemic or not. And I love the story of Mary and how she addresses it, and we'll look into that this morning. And so for the reading of God's word, I would love for us to stand uh, and if you can, if you stand with me, I'm going to read Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. I'll read this, we'll pray, and then we'll get going. In the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Let's pray. God, thank you that we can learn from you, we can learn from Mary, how to navigate fear, how to live fully into you, how to be fully human 
as you are human and lean into you in the world of unknowns and polarization and violence and hatred and, and all these unknowns. God, thank you that you're here. And thank you that we may never have all the answers, but we are confident that as we walk in faith that we can find peace. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Go ahead and grab a seat, thank you. <clears throat> now, as I start, I want to start off with a question. And the question is this. In your life, do you have rituals? And my guess is whether you know it or not, you do. And so don't think too hard whether uh, it's when you go out to eat or when you wake up in the morning or when you go to bed at night or when you visit friends or whatever it is when you drive. Many of us, we have rituals. And some uh, are, are, I would say, quote-unquote normal. Some are a bit unique. And, and so one of my unique rituals that I have, and maybe some of you can resonate with this, is that anytime, especially when I'm with Maria, my wife Maria, uh, we go out to eat, she knows that anytime I sit down, I have to be able to face the door. I don't know what it is, but anytime I sit down, I can't have at the restaurant, I can't have my back towards the door, towards the crowd. I don't know what it is. And so she knows that, okay, fine, you can sit there. And so I always have to have this vision of, of seeing everything and what's going on. Otherwise, I'll just be distracted the whole time. And, and really, the reality is, it's because I want to pretend that if something crazy were about to happen, if a bad person entered the restaurant, that I would stand up and I would do something about it. And so I remember and one time I was sitting down and she would ask me, like, what is going on in your mind? And, and maybe, again, maybe you do this, but not only do I sit down and I imagine myself being the hero of the story, I have an actual plan. And oftentimes Maria's like, hello, are you there? And I'm kind of dozing off because I'm already thinking, I know if someone goes through, comes through that door, I'm going to bring Maria to the side. I'm going to make sure she's safe. Then I'm going to jump over tables and crawl under tables, not to be predictable. And then I'm going to apprehend the person, tackle them, and yell, somebody call 911. Not that I've thought about this before, uh, but maybe I have. And Maria's response always is, well, how come you pull me into safety? Well, how come it's not me pulling you into safety? And, and I don't know. This is just the way that my mind works. And so I don't know what it is, but look, I have had no traumatic experience in that realm. I've never had to confront a violent person. I've never gone to war. And yet, for some reason, every time we go out to eat, I have this weird, strange fear. And again, whether you resonate with that story or maybe you have that same ritual or not, I bet you, as you walk into these doors, something that we all have in common, like I said, including myself, is that we're all navigating a sense of fear, real or imagined. Many of us, fear is a real thing. And it's no wonder all over the scriptures, fear is spoken about over 300 times. And fear is something that many of us will experience to some degree or another. Uh, and sociologists, and I've read many articles, many say this. They consider this generation the most fearful, fearful slash most anxious generation 
of all times. Sociologists considers this generation the most anxious and fearful generation of all times. And it says this, in 2019, this is prior to the pandemic, research from the World Health Organization says 3 million people suffer from depression slash anxiety, a form of depression and anxiety disorder. The National Institute of Mental Health says anxiety disorders in children and teens went up 20% and nearly one in three of all young people between the ages of 13 to 18 will experience an anxiety disorder. And this is prior to the pandemic. I can't even imagine, and research is not conclusive yet to what the mental health status will be well, really now and post-pandemic. But many would say it'll be worse. Many would say double, doubly, two-folds worse. And maybe you're experiencing fear right now. Fear of getting sick. Fear of dying. Fear of a loved one getting sick. Fear of a loved one dying. Fear of your, having your freedom or liberties taken away or fear of being alone, fear of failing in your jobs. Maybe it's this constant fear of conflict and perhaps a fear of being unliked. Regardless of what it is, many of us, we share these fears with you and it's okay that you have these fears. Because the reality is this, fear is not always bad. In fact, I, I feel like oftentimes fear gets a bad rap. You see, fear is our brain sending signals to our bodies, warning us that, that something isn't right. One clinical psychologist, Zachary Sikora, a doctor, says this, fear is a natural biological condition that we all experience, and it's actually important that we experience fear because it keeps us safe. Fear triggers our bodies to, to warn us when something isn't right, when something, isn't wrong, uh, when something is going wrong, and for us to avoid it, to protect ourselves. Last Friday, uh, I think that was the 17th, I was just going through some news articles at the Seattle Times, and they reported that uh, there was a social media uh, TikTok trend that was going around, particularly in Seattle, uh, invoking violence in the Seattle School District. Uh, and so I had a friend that actually confirmed that with me who has children in the Seattle School District. Uh, they got an email saying that, you know, this is happening. And so they decided to, out of fear, pull their children from school that day. I had teacher friends tell me that they took the day off that day. Half the teachers were gone. Half the students were gone. As uh, far as I know, and, and maybe I, I'm behind on information, uh, nothing happened, thank God. Uh, but all that to say is due to their fear, in a good way, they made the decision to either teachers to, to not go to school or uh, for parents to pull their kids out. Not to say that one or the other was a better decision. All that to say is this is what I mean. Fear gets a bad rap. Fear is a good thing. Fear tells our bodies to make better decisions and good decisions 
And so the problem isn't that we, that we experience fear because, remember, we will all experience fear one way or another. So most of we walk into this sanctuary experiencing fear. The problem isn't that we experience fear. The problem is how we respond to it. You see, fear makes us anxious. Fear makes us panic. Makes everything feel urgent. It can paralyze us and or it can make us feel impulsive as to fight or flight, or sometimes freeze. And we all have examples uh, of previously of how we've dealt with fear in the past. And sometimes we're just downright not proud of it. Some run to substance, toxic relationships, food, technology, greed, violence, bigotry, And though these are all wildly different reactions to fear, the underlining aspect has a commonality. And the commonality is this. It's the feeling of and the desire of wanting control. You see, fear makes us do whatever we can to gain control because often fear It's not just a fear of the event, but it's this feeling of losing control. And the response to losing control is doing whatever it takes to regain the control. Oftentimes in ways that are damaging and destructive and toxic and are healthy. And it breaks relationships, not only within ourselves, but with others, with with God. And it reminds me of this story in Exodus. There's a story of the Israelites leaving Egypt to the promised land. And and today's text isn't about this, but it just reminds me of the story where God says, I will provide for you. Things will be okay. In fact, I'm having, God says, I'm uh, rescuing you, Exodus 16, from Egypt, from slavery, from hardship, from uh, from oppression. and And I'm moving you to Canaan. The promised land filled with milk and honey. And in this journey, uh, it, it took, traditionally speaking, took 40 years. And in those 40 years, the Israelites were complaining to God, particularly around needs of food and sustenance and, and water. And at the beginning of the Exodus, the Israelites complained, God, did you just bring me out of Egypt so I can die of starvation? And God says, no, I want to give you something better. And so, but hey, look, God says, I heard your cry. I will give you bread. And, it, and bread rained down. It was called manna. Uh, and there was only one instruction. And the instruction was this. It says, Moses said to them, uh, as, as manna was coming down, the instruction from God through Moses to the Israelites was this. No one is to keep any of it until morning. Verse 20 of chapter 16 of Exodus. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell, so Moses was angry with them. Here's what happened. God said, okay, I'm going to give you food, but you have to trust me. Only take what you need for that day. Because tomorrow I will provide even more. And the next day I will provide. But for today, I need you to be present. I need you to trust me just for today, right now, and surrender the future and surrender everything else. And in Exodus chapter 16, it says that many people couldn't do it. They feared that they were going to starve to death. And so because of that fear, they decided to take control of themselves and gather more disobeying what God had already said 
and it said it was full of maggots, and the things didn't fulfill what they needed, and Moses was angry. Fear and control have been close relatives from the very beginning of time, and it's still alive and real today. I mean, just look at the ads for products. Think about politicians peddling for votes. Think about headlines, the latest headlines in your news articles. Many of them will invoke fear to try and control, to try and manipulate what we believe, what we read, what we purchase, what worldview we subscribe to, who we love, who we hate, who our tribe is, who our tribe isn't. Fear does all these things when we respond in a way that is not of God. But the reality is this, when we respond to fear not with control, but listen to this, not with control, but with absolute surrender, this is exactly where God wants us. There's a plot twist, there's a flip of the script that the, the common belief in the worldview is that whenever things feel like they're, they're out of control and you're afraid and you have fear of whatever it is, of being lonely, of this pandemic, of money situations, of job, the, the common uh, antidote is to take control. Well, then you need more money. Well, then you need a new job. Well, then you need to be in a relationship. Well, then you need to, you know, you name it. You fill in the blank. You need to buy this. You need to look like this. You need to vote for this person. You need to identify with this political group. You need to be a, whatever it is. Many of us, we just take control. And what God is saying, no, 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 no. You got that backwards. When you are in fear, you don't take control. You actually open up your hands and you surrender. And only when you surrender... Do you experience peace in all circumstances? Philippians chapter 2. I don't know if any of you are uh, Ted Lasso fans. Raise your hand, anybody? I just watched one of the episodes the other day, uh, and and I'm probably a little bit behind. But there's a scene where Ted Lasso sits... uh, in a chair, and in his, I guess the team therapist, counselor walks in, and she says to Ted, Coach Ted, how are you doing today? And Ted Lasso's response is, not good. Not good. And her response was, well, good. <clears throat> and out of confusion, what, what are you talking about? Uh, the therapist says, when things aren't good, that allows me to do my thing. Because Ted Lasso said, things are not good. I, sur- I, I don't know what's going on. The therapist said, well, that's a great thing. I know you don't feel it, but, but that's a good thing. Because when you understand that you're not doing good, when you are not doing well, that is when I do my best work. And, and, and I thought about that, and I said, man, God works in the same exact way. The moment we say, I, I'm fearful, there's nothing wrong with that. We all experience fear. It's, again, it's not that we experience fear. It's how we respond to it. And when, when we respond to it with our hands open wide and say, God, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do. God is like, that is when I work. That is when I do my best work. Thank you. This is the story of Mary as she surrenders to whatever God has for her, even if that includes giving birth to Jesus, who would one day be the Savior of the world. 
Mary says, I surrender. It says, the angel said to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord said to you, uh, the Lord's with you. Mary was greatly troubled, it says. So listen to what's going on. Mary is sitting down, and, and the angel says, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And it said that Mary was greatly troubled at his words, angel Gabriel, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. I want us to take a few, just for a few minutes, a closer look at Mary. That's, that's going to put all these things together. Stay with me. Number one is this. Uh, most likely, Mary was a young girl when she received this calling to give birth to the Savior of the world. Believe it or not, she was probably around the age of 13 to 14. I mean, imagine what you were doing when you were 13 or 14. I, I don't even remember what I was doing. I was probably being an idiot or doing nothing or playing Mario Kart or something, which there's nothing wrong with that either. Uh, but most likely she was a young girl, around 13 to 14 years of age. Number two, she was not married yet. She was, it says that she was engaged, but not uh, technically married to Joseph, and yet she would have to give birth. Now you have to understand, number three, that this is a shame and honor culture. To be pregnant while unmarried would bring not, not only shame upon her, but her whole family. Number four, not only that, but in these first century times, it says in Deuteronomy, to give birth out of wedlock was against the law and was punishable by death. And lastly, number five, to make matters worse, her fiancé, Joseph, decided to break off the engagement. Now, we don't exactly know why uh, Joseph decided to break off the engagement at that point. Uh, there's some speculations around theologians and scholars, and, and many of them would say this. Now, imagine, put yourself in Joseph's shoe. Your fiancé becomes pregnant. And you, and you know, I mean, there's kids in the room, but you know how that works, right? The stories of the birds and the bees, how one gets pregnant. Like, they also knew how that worked biologically, and so he would, this is what theologians would imagine, is saying, okay, Joseph is like, you're pregnant, but I know we didn't do what is required, if you know what I mean. And Mary's response is, no, I, I know what this looks like. All right, I'm pregnant. I know you and I hadn't had those relationships because uh, we're not married and we're not supposed to do that. But Joseph, let me tell you, the Holy, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God. And in my tummy is going to be the Savior of the world. Now, put yourself in Joseph's position. Now, we don't exactly know what Joseph was feeling or believing or not believing. We don't know. Uh, but most likely, the reality is that Joseph may not have believed the whole situation. Because in Matthew, it says that Joseph decided to leave her, and he was a righteous man. And the reason why many believe that he was a righteous man by leaving her quietly is because he understood that if this was public news, that Mary, the one he loves, or the one who he was formerly engaged with, would be stoned to death. And so when Matthew says that Joseph left quietly as a righteous man, because, I don't know, maybe he felt like she was being unfaithful, I don't know, but he, was, he did it quietly so that Mary would not uh, be stoned to death. Now with all that said, 
you can imagine that Mary had a lot on the line. Do you think she was afraid? Of course. It says that she was greatly troubled and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. That's what it says in verse 28. Now, the word wondered, when it said that Mary wondered, is the word uh, dialogosomai. It's a Greek word, dialogosomai. And and what that really means is that uh, there was a discussion in her mind. The word wondered is a word, diakolosmai, it's a word where we get the word dialogue from. So it wasn't that like, okay, Mary, the angel is here, and, and Mary, it says that Mary wondered, like, oh, man, angel, what are you doing here? Like, oh, I'm just wondering what's going on. No, it's a stronger sense of this element of dialogue. Mary was just wrestling in her mind, what do I do? The angel is telling me, I need to conceive, I, uh, I will give birth to the Savior of the world. But she's going back and forth in tension because what she's also thinking about is, but, but I'm not married. But if I have, uh, you know, a baby out of wedlock, yeah, I'm going to lose my fiance and people may even kill me and things are just going to go out of control. I'm going to be disowned. I'm going to be shamed. My family's going to be shamed. And so there's this, this ongoing dialogue and Mary's like, what do I do? She was afraid. She wondered. And then it says that she was greatly troubled. The the word greatly troubled is uh, diatarasso in Greek, diatarasso. And it doesn't mean just greatly troubled. It means terrified. She was terrified. And the reason why Luke uses this word diatarasso is because it's the same word that was used to describe earlier Zechariah's emotion when the angel came to him and gave him the message that his son is going to uh, prepare the way for Jesus. And so what the author is wanting us to do is to compare both reactions. Because remember, fear is not the issue. They both experience fear. The issue is how we respond to it. And if you remember from week one, Zechariah's response was doubt. It was uh, confusion, yes, but it was his need for evidence. Zechariah says, how will I know this is true, angel Gabriel? Give me evidence. There's a lot on the line here. And so out of Zechariah's fear, he wanted control. He wanted to know how things were going to unfold. He wanted to know the ending of the story, in which many of us can resonate. I'm glad Zechariah responded that way because I respond that way. Anytime there's uncertainties and anxiety and fears in my life, I want to know how it's going to end. That's what gives me comfort. Whether the ending is good news or bad news, I don't care. Because when I know, it brings me a place where I can take control and do something about it. Zechariah's response was, tell me, give me evidence I need to know. Mary's response was very different. What was Mary's response? Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. In verse 38, Mary's response was this, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered. This is after the angel Gabriel says, here's all the things that are going to happen. You're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And even in her wrestling, in the, in the self-dialogue, well, I don't know what to do because if this happens and that will happen, and out of just this terrifying fear, the same fear that Zechariah experienced, her response was, I am the Lord's servant. May your word, angel Gabriel, to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. The problem isn't that we experience fear. The problem is how we respond to it. 
They both experience fear the same way, yet their, diff- their response is wildly different. And between the two, if anybody had more to fear, more at stake, more to risk, more to be concerned with, it was Mary. You see, we are living in a time where we have much to fear, whether real or imagined. We have lots of fear that we're trying to navigate. And the question is this, what will be your response? My prayer for our church, for me, for you, for all of us, is that we can be more like Mary, surrendering the need for control, letting go of the need to know how everything will unfold, and just surrendering to God, acknowledging our own finitude, our our own limitations, our own humanity, And this idea of surrendering, believing and knowing and understanding that that, that surrendering becomes the bridge from fear towards peace. Surrendering, like Mary did, becomes the bridge from fear towards peace. Now, surrendering doesn't mean everything's going to be all better and and you're going to have all the answers. In fact, it's the opposite. You might not know what's going to happen at the end of the story. Things may not get better. Whether you... Believe it or not, the, the Bible never says that all your problems will be fixed as, even when you become a Christian. And matter of fact, if there's any promises in the Bible at all, the promise is that once you become a Christian, life could actually get worse. And here, here we are. Sign me up. Because at the end of the day, what the Bible also promises is Emmanuel. That's the story of Jesus. That's the story of God incarnate coming to earth through the person of Jesus saying, no matter what you are going through, no matter what you are fearing, Emmanuel, God with us, God is with you, God is with me, and that changes everything. No longer are we to seek after our own solutions by grasping at the straws of control that actually end up disappointing, and yet the opposite is what God wants, to lift our hands in surrender in God and allowing God to be God. Not us being God, allowing God to be God. And so my question for all of us today is this, where in your life does God just simply need to be God? Like that seed in Ted Lasso when, he, when the therapist says, okay, you're not good, perfect. That is when I could do my, own, my, my greatest work. God is saying, where in your life are you experiencing fear? Whether real or imagined, where are you experiencing fear? Because when you name that and confess that, God is saying, now I can do my work. And I can bring you peace. Emmanuel. So as I invite the the worship, the music back up, I just want us to enter into a time of reflection and asking these questions. And I have a few practices for us this morning. And maybe you might want to close your eyes or you don't have to. uh, But one, I want you to do this. Name the places where you're feeling fear. And not only do I want you to do this today, but I want you to do this throughout the week. Where are the places that you are experiencing fear? 
In the Christian tradition, we call this confession. God, I confess that I'm afraid that I'll just, I'll get sick. God, I'm afraid I'll be, I'll be lonely. God, I'm afraid that I won't be enough, whatever that enough means. God, I'm afraid that I'll be a failure. God, I'm afraid that I'll be unhappy. Wherever it is, name those fears. Number two, surrender. Acknowledge our own limitations and allow God to be God. And I know that doesn't come easy. And maybe the prayer isn't, God, I, I surrender my fears to you. Maybe the prayer is, God, I'm having a hard time surrendering. Help me just to get to the first part. Help me to surrender in the first place. God, I'm having a hard time letting go of these fears. So number one, name the places you're feeling fears. Number two, surrender or ask God to help you surrender, acknowledging our own limitations. And lastly, wherever you're feeling fear, after you name it, after you surrender to God, claim that in the name of Jesus. Speak truth over all your fears. And the truth is this, the fear will never overcome you. God will always have the last word. I just want to end with this story. I remember a few years ago, I went to a friend's house um, to, to dog sit. This is before I had my own dog, so I wasn't very familiar with dogs or how to, how to interact with dogs. And my friend said, just open the door. He, he was out of town. He was saying, just open the door. Here's the code. And just, you got to feed it. You got to let it out. And boom, you're done. It might bark at you, but don't worry. The dog is super kind. So, okay, got it. So I go to the door and I look through the window and I hear vicious barking. And it's this huge German shepherd. And I remember my friend saying, hey, don't worry, it's kind. And I'm like, it doesn't look very kind. So uh, my fear was triggered. I'm not going in there. There's no way. And I call another friend who uh, has his own dog and, and knows about dogs who happen to live just down the street. And I said, hey, I need you to come over and help me let this dog out or whatever, because this dog is about to kill me. And this person, my friend, comes over and says, okay, here's what you got to do. Puts it in the door code. The dog is still barking and says, here, watch out. Just watch this. He goes into the door, and as the dog is barking, he says, sit. <laughs> he said, sit down. Quit barking. And the dog just kind of shriveled up. And we were able to just take it out. And feed it and do whatever I need to do. But I remember thinking about that, and oftentimes I feel like that's the way we need to be. We need to speak truth into the fears of our lives. In the name of Jesus, you do not have control over me. God has the last word. Speak that truth over all your fears and know that God is with you. Let's pray. God, thank you. That, no, your promises are not that every problem in our lives will be solved, but your promise is that in every problem of our lives, every fear of our lives, you will be present. And your presence gives us comfort. It gives us strength. It gives us power. And so, God, I pray for everybody in here, in the name of Jesus, in the name of your spirit, would you come and enter into all the spaces of fear in our lives? Not because fear in itself is wrong, but because the way we want to respond to it is through and in you, Jesus. 
So God, even in this Christmas season, many of us are experiencing fear, whether it's the pandemic or prior to the pandemic or nothing to do with the pandemic. God, help us to name what those fears are. Be real and honest with you because you already know our spaces of fear, but help us to say it out loud and confess it and help us to surrender it to you knowing that you'll do something, you'll move, not just in our physical lives, but in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your peace, your shalom. And most of all, we thank you for your son that you sent as a baby to live, to die, to resurrect on the third day on our behalf, to become victorious over fear, over death. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.